0: Now down again on Wednesday, a lot of this happening in the midst of a surge in yields in the U.S. bond market. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcady Economics on a volatile Wednesday morning, where unfortunately we continue to see a bit of a sell-off in the gold and silver markets. Prices rebounding just a little bit in the last half hour or so. After a sell off that began with another rally in the dollar after it had been lower earlier. And all that amidst more volatility in the bond market, all of which we will dig into today. So let us start off with a quick look at the futures chart. Here we can see now down about 28 cents. Silver had been rallying a little bit earlier this morning up to almost the 2150 level, then sold off sharply around nine o'clock. And has since rebounded a little bit back up to 2110. So, still over the $21 level and quite a sell off we've seen over the past week. Silver had been up close to $24 last week, sold off. Then we had that big day on Friday where the price spiked early in the morning and then just got pummeled over since then, followed by another sell off on Monday somewhat flat on Tuesday and now down again on Wednesday. A lot of this happening in the midst of a surge in yields in the U.S. bond market, which is certainly having its impact, not only in silver, but certainly getting quite chaotic as we have seen some big moves, which we will take a look at in just a moment. Quick look at the gold chart. Now back to about flat on the day and you can see quite a volatile session, as low as 18.32 early this morning. Had gotten up to 1842, sold off along with silver, and actually just spiked a little bit ago, right around 11 o'clock Eastern time. Now at 1840, you can see as we back out to the one-month chart here, gold at 1960, just about two weeks ago, that was the day of the Fed meeting, and quite a sell-off we have seen in the past two weeks as the rates have surged here in the U.S., Taking a look at the dollar index, you can see, similarly here, quite a volatile chart. Dollar was over the 107 level earlier this morning before selling off, did not get much of a rally in the metals during that. Although again, you can see here at 9 o'clock, that's when the dollar index started to rally going from about 106.50, getting just below the 107 level before selling off a bit to 106.77. So that sell off in the last, half hour or so has helped the gold and silver prices to rebound a bit and all of this you can see being driven by the bond yields where we see earlier this morning they got as high as 4.88 percent that was up from 4.8 percent where it closed yesterday and in the time since then we've seen a bit of a bond rally with yields dropping all the way to 4.73 percent before Rising again at 9 o'clock, again, when we saw the dollar rally metals sell off, although since then has come back in quite a bit. So you're seeing a pretty volatile bond market, which is not surprising given the intensity of the move that we've seen over the past month. Again, as I mentioned yesterday, here we are back at the end of August at 4.09%. All the way up to 4.8% yesterday, again, touched that 4.88 level before the bond market rallied a bit, which has brought yields lower, yet still up about 65 basis points in just slightly over a month, which is not entirely dissimilar from what we saw back in February leading up to March. That's this spike here where the Bond yield went from 3.398% up to 4.07, so 67 basis point surge in yield. Again, that was when we saw the issues with the banking sector, which necessitated the launch of the Fed's bank term funding program. We saw yields come back in quite a bit since then, but obviously with the Fed raising rates going higher for longer. We've seen that stunning increase in the longer end of the U.S. bond market, which has also been reflected in the move index, which again, you can think of as the VIX of the bond market. Here we see it below 100 in mid-September and has spiked higher as we've seen these big moves up in the yields, creating some big losses out there. Mentioned last week that Bank of America has a $106 billion health to maturity, unrealized loss. Federal Reserve also experiencing big losses on their portfolio. And certainly they're not the only ones out there that are running into trouble right now. So I will actually be recording an interview with Dave Kranzler later today for tomorrow's show, and we'll be digging into that a bit more and finding out what he's seeing in terms of how this is impacting some of the bigger financial entities out there. but. Certainly some big moves which are leading to big losses and causing margin calls and a lot of chaos in the markets. And if we take a look over at the holders of US treasuries, we can see Japan, now the largest holder, down quite a bit to 1.1 trillion from 1.23 trillion just a year ago. There's China in the number two slot down to 821 billion from last year's 939 billion. Now, factor in that, some of the decline here, as this is the dollar value, so some of the decline is due to the loss in value of the treasuries as the interest rate has risen, yet also we continue to see both Japan and China reduce their holdings, although unfortunately this is coming at a time where the U.S. deficits are growing larger and larger, which is why so many people, and myself included, expect that the Federal Reserve will have to step in at some point and end their quantitative tightening program and revert back to quantitative easing, because eventually you reach that level where someone needs to buy the bonds. And certainly we've talked plenty about how there's the de-dollarization effort going on and a growing list of countries that are looking to pull away from U.S. dollar financing, as many countries, certainly led by Russia, are wondering if this debt is ever going to be repaid. I don't think that's what's driving this surge in yields just yet, although... That's something I'll look forward to discussing with Dave later today in that call where what is the boundary between seeing the yields rise and when does that crossover from just being concerned about inflation and Fed policy to actual concern about the liquidity of the U.S.? I think there's some people out there noticing that obviously in the metals community, a lot of people who have been concerned about that for a long time, so certainly not an insignificant factor yet. Will be interesting to see if we're getting closer to the point where that really becomes an issue that markets start to become more concerned about. Although one person who seems relatively unconcerned—no, not Craig Hemke of the TF Metals Report, but Janet Yellen—who says the debt servicing cost will be one percent of GDP for the next decade, which would be quite a shift in the current dynamics. Because, as he notes here, current U.S. GDP about twenty-six trillion. And the interest rate that the U.S. is paying now is already up at $900 billion, and that's just set to grow higher as more of the debt that was being serviced at the lower interest rates gets rolled over at the higher interest rates that we're currently facing. Yet the CBO is projecting by 2030 that we will be looking at $50 trillion of debt, which is truly just staggering. Although not hard to imagine, because here you can see on our debt clock, we're well past 33 trillion. This year's deficit at 2 trillion. And with growing concerns of recession, that level is set to only expand further. So seven years out, 2 trillion, that is another 14 trillion. And CBO expecting those to be even larger to get us to 50 trillion by 2030. So for Janet Yellen's scenario to be correct, that debt servicing costs will only be 1% of GDP for the next decade. That would be a 0.6% average interest cost on the entire debt. Hard to imagine that getting there. And it's really incredible, in some ways not shocking yet, all these things that we've talked about for so long with debt loads growing, what happens when interest rates go up. Now we're finally seeing this, I think the market is seeing this on a broader level and becoming increasingly concerned, which has to have some bit of a role in the surge in yields that we're seeing now. So not a good trend that we're on, although the type of thing that often happens when you do see interest rates rise after a period of lower interest rates. Here's a chart where you can see interest rates and when the recessions or crises hit after that. Blue line is interest rates, you can see here spiking in 1980 and you had recession following that. Here in the year 2000, you see rates going up again right before the collapse of the dot-com bubble. Again, similar pattern, they lowered interest rates and then following the lowering of interest rates, raised them again. And we had the financial crisis due to the pressure in the mortgage market, similar pattern to what we saw in 2018, 2019 where Jerome Powell raised interest rates and had to reverse policy rather quickly. And of course, leading into everything that happened in 2020. And I'm guessing that we won't have an entirely different outcome. Here is the interest rate increase that you've seen over the past year and a half. And now we are starting to see some of these problems manifest. Here was a chart from Incrementum and Ronnie Stoiferlay that shows similar data, but this is in terms of bank credit you see again, as bank credit is coming down, that coincides with the recessions that we've seen. And here you have the reduction in credit over the past year, which is going to play a big role into leading us into the coming recession. So a lot of these things, again, are not entirely shocking and give us a good indication of where things are headed. Now, in terms of some data that came out earlier this week, we had somewhat conflicting data in the labor market. On Tuesday, the JOLTS data came out, which showed job openings totaled 9.61 million for last month, which was a jump of 700,000 from July and above the estimate of 8.8 million. Although earlier this morning, we got a weaker than expected ADP jobs report that showed job growth of 89,000 in September below the 160,000 job estimate. And of course, later this week, we will be getting the BLS report on Friday, so in just two days. And as flawed as it may be, especially with the revisions, keep in mind when you see that number come out that each number that's been released throughout this year has been subsequently revised lower yet to the degree that Wall Street reacts to it and the markets move based on it. Obviously, Friday will be a big day in terms of rates and traders guesstimating what is next out of the Federal Reserve. Now, in terms of silver, wanted to take a quick look at the COT report. This was released last Friday, which showed positions up to the end of last Tuesday, the 26th. And we see in silver here, more shorting by the banks, adding 2,374 shorts, reducing longs by five hundred twenty-eight whereas the funds were reducing shorts and added 19 longs. So not necessarily big changes, but somewhat of a shift of the banks becoming more short, which generally is not the best news for the price. Although fortunately in the report that comes out this Friday, that will include the big moves down on Friday, really the move from 2360 down to about $21. So I would imagine that we will see on this Friday's report an improvement in these conditions. Interesting, though, in the gold side, a bit of a different pattern where there you saw managed money add 17,000 shorts, reduced longs by 6,500, while the banks were on the opposite half of that, reducing their short contracts by almost 14,000, adding 500 longs. So a little bit of a better picture in gold and would imagine a similar improvement in that on the report that comes out this Friday. So only two days from now, we'll get a little bit more insight into what was actually happening on the trading during the decline of this past week, but should show some improvement. Quick look at the ETF holdings, which have declined really over the last year. Here we are going back to late 2021 blue line showing the amount of silver stored in COMEX and the ETFs like SLV. So even as we saw the price rally in the gray line here, continue to see metal coming out, which generally suggests that there's not much participation from institutional investors. Now we have seen two of the past three weeks, an increase of just over 10 million ounces. And then last week, eight million ounces with a decline of about 12 million ounces in between there. So some inflows mixed in with the decline over the past couple of weeks. But again, from the broader perspective, we see that dissimilar from what we have noticed on the retail level where continues to be mostly buying very few sellers from the retail silver shops in terms of institutional via the ETFs, still not much silver going into those. Of course, one of the things that has supported the gold market, and we'll see if this factor does come into play now with the lower price, is that the estimated world official gold holdings did reach a record high in the second quarter of 2023, surpassing the previous record from 1965. And one of the things that has helped keep the gold market in check because when the price comes down, one of the things that happens is that there are buyers out there who are actually taking physical gold, and this has had quite an impact in keeping prices where they are, obviously a bit lower, although given the rise in yields and some of the correlations that we've seen over the past decade, we could have seen even a further decline in price, although the physical buying, holding things together, and somewhat indicative of that, we had a story that came out last week, Tanzania has started domestic gold purchases, to boost Forex reserves. So we continue to see countries turning towards gold and providing a bid in the gold market, which has prevented the decline in the gold market from being even more severe than it otherwise has been. And the type of thing that we're probably going to be seeing increasingly going forward. So while this may not help people who are looking at the gold and silver prices today to feel a lot better in the short term, it is indicative of a global shift towards the gold and metals markets as we see the debt loads in the U.S. continue to skyrocket with yield surging as well. And of course, whenever we do get to that point where the Fed has to start easing again, I would imagine that would be the point where we really start to see the metals take off both on the gold and silver side. So anyway, that is the news that's going on today. Before we wrap up, did want to thank BlackRock Silver, who has brought us today's show. BlackRock did have an announcement out last week as they released the results from their recent drill program at the Silver Cloud campaign, where in 2022, they had drill results that graded as high as 70 grams per ton gold, 600 grams per ton silver. And while they were not able to replicate those results in the recent campaign, they do have a better understanding of the strike and orientation of the structure and are reviewing the geochemical data underway to better pinpoint where the system is localized. Of course, uh, another thing that they did mention, which we'll be hearing about in the next couple of weeks, is that they remain online for an updated resource at their Tonopah West flagship project, where they had their initial resource last year, showing over 42 million ounces of silver equivalent, so that is on track for completion in October of this year. And certainly we'll keep you posted on that in the next couple of weeks as that is released. In either case, that's it for today as we continue to see a lot of volatility in the markets. Not some of the easiest days to watch, yet better times ahead. And hope you're just doing well out there and staying safe and found this one helpful. Going to wrap up for now, but we'll see you again tomorrow with Dave Kranzler.